Are you ready to jump into some true crime docs, crime thrillers, and more? Check out our website for an extensive list of our favorite movies and shows at thesirenspodcast.com slash watch, and find our favorite true crime and thriller books and authors, some covered on the show, at thesirenspodcast.com slash author alley. You can even find special deals for Amazon Music, Audible, Discovery Plus, Paramount Plus, Showtime, and even Grubhub. If you're looking to jump in immediately, check out our pinned Facebook post for some streaming service free trials on us. You're listening to Sirens, a true crime podcast brought to you by the Sirens Network. This podcast contains explicit content, so listener discretion is advised. The opinions expressed on this podcast are solely the views of the hosts and do not reflect the views of affiliates, associates, or sponsors of this podcast. This is Sirens, a true crime podcast. So we're we're talking about Amber Hilberling today. There's so many details to get through, but she was seven and a half months pregnant when all of this happened. I have surpassed her by two weeks now. Let's get all touchy feely. <laughs> <laughs> Joshua Blaine Hilberling was a thick, muscular, athletic, six foot four. 225 pounds. He played football in high school and was somewhat of a jock his entire life. He was 23 at the time of the incident. Amber Michelle Fields was 5'5", 125 pounds before pregnancy and somewhat petite. She was 19 at the time. She was born October 1st, 1991. She was described as soft-spoken and polite, calm and collected. She was a straight-A student in high school and she had planned on going to college soon. So her parents actually divorced when she was around 12 and it wasn't pretty. She was, um, abuse was to blame and there was protective orders that were filed and her relationship with her parents were strained. At one point when she was 17, she actually ran away to live with a friend in Texas and not long after she got back, uh, she moved in with her mom, but then she met Josh. So after Amber, so Amber came from a broken home, obviously, where she watched her mom be abused by her father. And, but she came from a medical, like, step family. So Brian Whitlock, her stepfather, who married her mother when she was 13, grew up in Tulsa in a medical family. His father, Boyd Whitlock, MD, was a physician, while his mother was a registered nurse. Amber's mother was a nurse as well. How else do we meet each other? Because uh, we don't get to right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Josh's mother admits he also came from a broken home where he learned abuse from his father. Ooh, okay, break the cycle, kids. This is not a fucking excuse. They met at a party in downtown Tulsa and started dating April 2010. Josh was 21 and Amber was 18 at the time. They were inseparable at first. Neither of them showed any flaws. Things were new and fresh. Typical. Josh left for Mm -hmm. basic training in San Antonio, Texas at Lackland Air Force Base. Not long after on May 10th, 2010. She wrote him every day. She came down for his graduation ceremony. And then then he left for Wichita Falls, Texas. That's right by me. For a month to attend the Air Force's civil engineering school. 
On his weekends off, he would head back to Tulsa to be with Amber, but he would be stationed in Alaska soon, and they had to make some choices. She couldn't be with him in Alaska unless they were married. He'd have only an eight-week leave before heading to Alaska. So they had only been together for like two months before they decided to get married. Those are some big-ass decisions to make. That's a very, very common trait psychologically for people who are like that, people who are abusive or people who are narcissists. They want to move. Yes, they want to move really fucking fast before the red flags pop up. Yeah. Very typical. It was during this leave that Josh began to exhibit ungentlemanly behavior. He would. That's my my words. (laughs) (laughs) You a whore? Is he a whore? He would get texts at all hours and leave for several hours, not telling Amber where he'd be off to. And he finally confessed that he was selling Roxy's, which is Roxycodone, to make some quick cash to get to Alaska. But it was supposedly only temporary and supposed uh, he promised it would stop soon. This is where the arguing started. So he was also using Oxycontin and Amber would tell him that he would need to be clean when duty started and he promised he would. I mean, after two months, you know, definitely. (laughs) I'm sure he's a man of his word. There's absolutely no pattern there whatsoever. I can quit after three years being a pillhead. So they decided to live together. Josh moved in with her and her mother, but that only lasted two weeks. Things are going great. (laughs) Then they both moved in with his stepbrother, Scott. So, yeah, this is when things got worse with his drug use. And Amber says that he was using every day by that time and they would fight about it. She said, I could taste it in my mouth when we kissed. His personality would totally change. He'd turn into a complete jerk. He couldn't ejaculate. I don't I mean, know why she if it's to messing, that one is, if, like, if it's you in know. your eyes and it's messing with your sexual performance and that's not normal, you know what I mean? Oddly, like the one mm-hmm. thing, I can't remember what I did with my keys 10 minutes ago, but I sure know something's off if you haven't, like, you got 45 minutes yeah, of fucking yeah. explaining yourself to me. Double <laughs> 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 personal, y'all. Uh, So it was during this time that Josh started getting physical with Amber for the first time. And she convinced herself that it was just the drugs and that he was actually clean and that it would stop. She had said that, like, he would um, throw Amber off of things. Like, that that was, like, the first thing that he started doing was, like, throwing her off of shit. Like, she'd be sitting on a chair. And he would literally, because he's 6'5", 6'6", with shoes on, he would literally pick her up and just chunk her, (laughs) like just yeet her across the room. Yeah, and like there were several times when uh, he'd pick her up and like throw her onto the bed or like pick her up and throw her off of the bed into the closet and just like all sorts of shit. That's where it started. Mid-October 2010, they moved to Eielson Air Force Base. I think so. Eilson or Eelson? I mean, who goes E-I-E? What the fuck language is that? Anyways, we're going to call it Eilson Air Force Base, Alaska, just (laughs) southeast of Fairbanks. Their housing wasn't yet fully furnished when they got there. And so they were put into a hotel for a month. She had no phone no car no money um she actually wanted to go get a job to get out of the hotel and socialize but he did not want her working oh boy oh boy red flag red flag 
Oh, God, I have so much. Oof, just don't. So Amber says during the first week of their stay, Josh was deathly ill, um, apparent signs of withdrawal. He began getting more physical, more often, and controlling, and they started marriage counseling. And things improved a couple of months into the new house, but then went back downhill when Josh refused to give Amber any money for household items like groceries, and he would keep his paychecks hidden from her. She wasn't even allowed to buy heavier clothes for Alaska. What the shit, Josh? Amber finds a package in the mail from Tulsa. When she opened it, she found 75 oxypills inside. She confronted Josh, and he admitted a friend had sent them to him, and he was using his paycheck to buy drugs. He admitted to spending $200 on a K2 kit so he could start manufacturing and selling there in Alaska. Mm. She said that he took all the oxy within one week. Holy cow. I mean, in Alaska, so I went to college with a guy who is from Alaska. And at that time, like 15 years ago, you could have 99 plants legally. So it's like, why couldn't you just do something, you know? Yeah. Does that take the fun away from you? I don't know. Yeah, of course it does. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you are allowed to sell it, but you can have them. And so there's a little loophole there, Yeah, I guess. So in December 2010, Amber told Josh that they were pregnant. She had hoped it would light a fire and keep him from using. It did not. Josh told his stepmom and dad of the baby. And her response, Amber heard her say that the baby was probably not even his over speakerphone. The stepmom? Mm-hmm. Bitch. Yes. Okay. So. There's no telling the narrative he was given them, though. Classic narcissist. That's, that is true. But I wanted to read this real quick. Um, okay. Because this is literally text messages from Josh to, I believe her name is Jean. It's uh, J-E-A-N-N-E. And I don't think it's Jean. J-E-A-N-N-E? So just Jean? Yeah, just Jean. Like, but the kind of gene that you're never going to find on a keychain at Six Flags? Yes, exactly. (laughs) All right, then. So that's his stepmom, Jean. And these are texts between them. And I'm going to try to keep it pretty brief. But he texted her and he tells her that they found out that they're pregnant. Jean texts back and says, quote, bullshit. Amber got pregnant on purpose. She was supposed to have an IUD placed last summer. Rhonda, who is Amber's mother, wants Amber to be just like her. Rhonda got pregnant when she was 18 and she wants the same for Amber. Your life is fucked. You are at the mercy of Rhonda and Amber. I don't feel sorry for you because you were warned. I wouldn't want to be you. What the fuck? Your life is fucked. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's a very sweet way to talk to somebody. Right? <laughs> like, so if that if that tells you anything about how he grew up, I'm just saying. That's the woman that your dad chose. But I mean, wow. yeah. And when you're so young, people like that have an impact on. Well, I mean, how long was stepmom around for? Um, several years. I believe that his parents had broken up several years prior and had been remarried for a while. She started going around after that and telling everybody that the baby wasn't even his. Okay. So, you know, that's, that's what we're working with here. (laughs) 
Josh began using more drugs, oxys, roxys, weed, K2, alcohol, and became more violent. There were neighbor witnesses and the police reports started stacking up. He had, so some of the witnesses up there in Alaska included seeing them in an argument in their living room where he had his hands around her neck and was choking her. He had grabbed her by the shoulders and was pushing and shaking her and would leave scratches and fingerprints, uh, well, I guess fingerprint bruises all over her skin. Another instance, he had thrown (laughs) multiple remote controls at her, plates, glasses, and a can of soda at her and against the walls. Another instance, he broke her iPhone in anger, throwing it down onto the floor and stomping on it. She got another one soon after, and he broke that one as well by throwing it against the wall. It's so familiar. Yeah. Another instance, he threw a a glass candle at her um, after she was pregnant and he knew she was pregnant another he threw a plate full of food at her because he was upset with how she had cooked that night oh so he's five yeah okay he had also thrown a suitcase at her which had been completely packed full and heavy and he threw his wedding ring at her like multiple multiple times like and this is just some witness statements so he's a real keeper what a piche so on new year's eve a neighbor saw josh smoking k2 and reported it to the air force police amber and josh obviously fought about this and soon the police arrived they did find the kit they found the recipe for the kit and they found the drugs on january 2nd 2011 another neighbor called the police for abuse josh was arrested on that night and the police were called again on january 31st March 14th and March 23rd. That last incident actually almost burst her breast implant, so she had to head back to Tulsa to get it repaired. She had, so, hmm, this is kind of strange, but so her, remember the doctor dad uh, or the doctor stepdad? So he's actually a plastic surgeon. On what fucking planet? Your stepdad and your tits out. Oh, thank sorry. you. <laughs> oh, no. no. Thank you. So I'm just kind of hoping that, I don't know, maybe he brought in someone else. To maybe he had a colleague and yeah. he got like a, let's make women prettier. Well, she wanted them. And so, you know, that's, that's your choice. I, I'm not going to like ever make fun of you for you wanting to feel better about your own body or whatever but i'm just hoping that it was someone else that did them and not your stepdad that's all i'm saying that's all i'm saying (laughs) and so when he this last time that josh and her got into it what he did was he actually gave her like a full-on titty twister is how it was described what the fuck and his big ass hands when he twisted and squeezed so hard like her whole boob was just bruised and like there were just tons of vessels and shit broken in there and it almost popped that breast implant he's a foot taller than her like mm-hmm. and his hands were probably massive actually they were massive she said at one point they were massive so in her booking information later, she's 5'6". Her mom constantly says she's 5'7". I don't know if she's 5'5", five, 6", five, or 7". 
I'm just gonna stick with the middle one. Let's go five six because I'm five six. Let's just stick there. Oh, okay, <laughs> that sounds fine. And that incident um, with the breast implant, they actually she uh, booked a flight back to Tulsa and got it to checked have it out. Checked out. Yeah, um, back in Tulsa. Well, I mean that can kill you if it's not saline. Well, yeah. I mean, well. Yeah. And and here's the thing too and this is straight from her mom's mouth. So she she went home, she got it looked at. She took a couple weeks of recovery and she wanted to go back to Alaska. And her mom asked her, she said, you know, something's going on here. It's not right. Like why would you want to go back to that? And Amber says literally, quote, "Well, dad did it to you." She thinks this is normal. Okay, so co-workers note on several occasions how sexist Josh was. He was eventually moved to a different department where no women worked. Oh, that is the most military fucking thing I've ever heard. Don't fix the problem. Just put a band-aid on it and yeah. scoot him oh, over yeah. somewhere else where there aren't women. Are yeah. you fucking kidding me? One of his co-workers said, quote, he was misogynistic beyond all reason. That he said women weren't as smart as men and women shouldn't be in the military. My God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Just what the fuck. So, I mean, the military was getting red flags. You have all of this abuse coming up and like that they're ignoring because these are, it, it's military police that are being called out there. Right. And so it's stacking up and stacking up. And they're completely ignoring all of this. All of these red flags. And what sucks is if, like, all the things that happened in his civilian life, like, the the military actually has to be, like, informed of that. They don't look into that. You've got to basically tattle. Yeah. Don't ask me how I know. <laughs> I won't ask you how you know, because I know how you know. <laughs> <laughs> but fuck. <laughs> But I mean, once it is reported, they shouldn't just be freaking ignoring it, you know? Yeah, and that's even, that's weaker than a slap on the wrist, if, you know, if we're going to be honest. Yeah. With drug abuse and domestic violence charges piling up, the Air Force couldn't handle it anymore. Finally. Oh, finally. Finally. <laughs> on May 6, 2011, he was officially discharged for misconduct drug abuse. Oh, that's the one we picked. Yeah, and you're looking at his discharge papers. So, you know, people who are out there, this is straight from, like, this is a military report. I'm not just making it up. <laughs> Beat your wife all you want, but by God. Right? And yes. Come on, man. Why no was drugs. that not listed? I mean, oh, whatever. That should be a, what's it called? Like a black mark on your record? Yes. For what the fuck? And if you'll notice, BT-dubs, if you'll notice down at the very bottom, it says honorably discharged. Lord. That makes me very angry. <laughs> what the fuck is honorable about any of this? <laughs> yeah. So the same day that they returned to Tulsa, Josh began hanging out with his friends at all hours of the night, partying, doing drugs. He wouldn't tell Amber where he was or what he was doing, and he barely answered when she would, like, call or text him from worry. And then on May 19th, Josh filed a protective order against Amber. So what had happened was uh, they had gotten into it earlier that day and she had, I believe she had left. She came back and was going up the stairs 
and he was laying on the couch and he was popping off and she uh accidentally hit a lamp as she went up the stairs and it fell down onto his feet where he later claimed that it fell down and hit him on the head and that she had actually threw it at him and so he went and filed an emergency protective order with that Definitely trying to get ahead of the curve there. Like, you know what? I've got like seven charges. You need one thing on your record. Right. But with all of the shit that he did to her and she never once filed a protective order. How do you have a fucking leg to stand on, guy? Right. Maybe you shouldn't have been a fucking human dumpster. Right. Okay. So May 19th, (laughs) he files a protective order. Yep. And in June, they're building a house. Yes, ma'am. You're 100% correct. I must have fucking accidentally bought express passes for the roller coaster. You you are very (laughs) observant. God, you're an idiot. Ah, You're both so dumb. So neither of them showed up to the, um, if you don't show up when when a uh, emergency protective order is filed, so when you file it, they ran it to you but you have to show up to court to like solidify that and neither of them showed up and so if the plaintiff doesn't show up they just throw it out so yes it had been filed but i believe it was set for like two weeks after that and he never showed up so it was thrown out by that time they're like okay moving on yeah i was just mad about the lamp that fell (laughs) yeah so stupid i'll get her back During the month of June 2011, the two had a home being built that wasn't ready and were staying with Amber's parents. Rhonda, Amber's mother, caught Josh using and kicked him out. Yeah, and Amber decided to go with them. Of course she did. Mm -hmm. That's when her mother told her they could stay at their alternate apartment. Yeah, so the apartment that they lived in was actually Amber's parents' spare apartment in the University Club Tower, in which they used for, quote, patient overflow for out-of-town guests, end quote. What the actual fuck? <laughs> they just put no. him up there. <laughs> okay. We'll fly you in for... What the... Oh, man. Okay. I gotta be... It's a really unique looking tower. It's the only tower in Tulsa that is this... I say it's like a Pringles can shaped. Because it's cylindrical all the way around. And it is 32 stories high, 377 feet tall. The bottom eight floors are parking garages. It's like a private parking garage. And then the apartments don't start until the ninth floor and up. It was built in 1966. It was the first major building in the United States designed with the use of computerization of the structural calculations. So it was supposed to be this like innovative building. Just remember that as we go down this rabbit hole. The concern of the structural engineers was to be sure the building was strong enough to prevent swaying in the wind. The building, including its glass and panel curtain wall facade was 46 years old by the time the Hilberlings moved into it. Leading up to the incident, I have um, some texts that I got a hold of between Josh and Amber. These texts that we're going to start with are three days before the incident. Uh, Saturday morning, June 4th, 2011. Do you want to read Amber and I'll read Josh? Okay. Oh my god, I'm so nervous. I haven't seen any of this. I've never seen this. <gasps> We're about okay. to get to know them a little bit more personally. So, who is paying for Tennessee again? I am. LOL. How are you going to do that? I'll just be able to. 
Okay, buy me a crib and then you can go. Okay, but it'll have to be after I get back. No, before. Can't say. Then you can't go. Sorry. I'm going. Okay, ellipsis. (laughs) Why are you doing this shit to me? What the fuck did I do to you? I'm not going to discuss this while you're high. Enjoy yourself. Wow. Yeah, they have um they <laughs> they have conversations like this a lot. Like so much so like I had so many conversations that I have left out so many just because they're they're just all the same over and over again. So later that day, they had actually planned to go to Target together to fill out their baby registry. Amber had been at her grandma's house all day and Josh was out with his friends and she was waiting on Josh to come get her in her mother's car. So they only had one car between the two of them. It was uh, Rhonda's car. She was lending it to them and Josh at this point had it and Amber was at her grandma's without it. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. So she's waiting on Josh to come pick her up so that they can go register at Target He just, he never shows up, never shows up, never shows up. Finally, around 6.30, she kind of gets fed up and she texts him. I'll let you read Amber again. I need to go to the apartment. You have the key. Gotta take Brandon home. Just bring me the car and I'll leave you alone. In a little. I'm gonna call my mom and she won't be easy to deal with. Ha ha! You're gonna call your mom? Go ahead. I'll bring you the car and be gone. Just bring me the car and do what you want. Ha! Can't believe you're gonna call your mom on me. That's only if you refuse to bring me the car. Ha ha! Oh, mommy, get me your car back. You don't have to be mean. You stop acting like a brat and I'll stop being mean. You'll never stop being mean. That's so sad. (sighs) My heart. Well, at least she knows. (laughs) I I mean... (laughs) So he did bring her the car. He literally showed up dropped the car off and left again with his friends. Apparently they made no exchanges. Like hardly anything was said between them when he dropped the car off. He was just like here and he was out again. And then later that night around 1 a.m. He starts texting her and has a complete change of personality. So in those texts, uh, it's basically, he says, I'm looking at the stars and thinking of you. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's just so fucking get out of here with that shit. But that's like what it is, basically. Yeah. It's shit like that. I mean, you know, super sweet, devoted husband who freaking stargazes and thinks of his beautiful wife. Of course. Come on. Amber changed the script really quickly, knowing her husband's games. She asks him if he's done partying and if that's why he's texting her. Like, she's actually a pretty smart girl, she's I think. She's on to it. Yeah. And then uh, she tells him that he always plays nice after, especially when his friends tell him he can't stay the night and he needs a place to sleep. And she told him not to come home and to stay with his friends. But here he was asking her to come pick him up and, and, quote, take him home with her. Oh, she tells him that she won't mind coming and picking him up, but she's still mad at him. And if she comes to get him, especially if he's high, then she won't be doing any talking with him that night. He says, okay, whatever. She gets out of bed. Remember, it's one in the freaking morning. She gets out of bed and goes and gets him and they go home to the apartment. 
when they get there, she goes to bed and apparently Josh goes straight to the living room and starts playing video games. She texts him at 3 a.m. from the bedroom that says, quote, will you turn that down, please? No response. Been there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't see the text. (laughs) I do know that uh, she says he slept on the couch that night. (laughs) He probably wanted to. Yeah, and I mean, like, those texts, like, she's telling him, like, there's no gas in the car and you didn't give me any money. Like, he wouldn't give her any money for this or that. And so now she doesn't have money to go pick him up. And, like, it's just this whole thing. And then he finally convinces her to come get him. It's just just typical wearing her down, you know? Yeah. So the next day, the tension is still pretty thick between them. And Amber tells Josh she'll be leaving for a few days to stay with her grandmother. Her grandmother's name is Gloria. She wanted to, quote, clear her head. And staying with Gloria wasn't new to Amber. She did it quite often, especially when they fought, and mostly when Josh would be out partying with friends and he wouldn't come home in a decent hour. She didn't like staying by herself, and I don't blame her because she was freaking pregnant. I know. I know. So around 1.30 p.m., Amber texted Josh, quote, While I'm gone, it would be helpful if you would do some really long, hard thinking about what you want from here on out. Not only with us and Levi. Levi is what they had already named the baby. Yeah. But everything in your life. I'll do the same today and we'll talk when I get home. Okay. He never responded to that text message. Then later that night, he somehow convinces Amber to go and get him and take him to a barbecue at his friend's house. She married a 15-year-old. Yeah. You oh, can't yeah. convince me otherwise. Mhm. Mom come get me. The guys are being mean. I don't want to stay the night anymore. Oh, and and not only that, but she finally breaks down. She's like, "Yes, I'll come get you and take you over there." When she shows up, he's not even freaking there. Fuck off. He had already had another friend come pick him up and didn't tell her. What the shit? She texts him, quote, I'm crying like a fucking idiot. I used the very last of the gas to come get you. I'm so, so, so stupid. I'm more upset now than ever before because I'm trying to make someone love me and care for me the way I do for them. And it's just a huge failure and making me stressed and sick and miserable. I can't take your lack of compassion and concern for me anymore. You're not trying the slightest bit, like, at all. You had weed on you, too. How could you do that at a time like this? What is wrong with you to make you think this is appropriate? You're horrible. I want a divorce. Very well said. Yeah, right? That's what I mean. Good, good for you, Amber. Snaps to you, Ams. And then all he says back is, well, this sucks. Ha <laughs> ha! What? Oh my god. She used the last of the gas to go get him, and he yeah. used the last of his brain cells to pump out that text message. See, he's a giver. Uh, Gosh, why are you doing this to me? You're ruining my life. Uh, uh. So she texts back, it looks like my only option left is leaving you. She goes on to say, I don't want you coming here anymore which she means the apartment. She says, this is not your home. You're just staying here. See, even she feels like that. He says, okay, so he starts figuring out that maybe she's like for 
cereal. <laughs> for cereal. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, I want to have a home with you. I'm sorry. I've been such a shit. I'm done. I always try to spend time with my friends when I should spend it with you. I want to be with you and only you. I love you always when you're with me. I won't lose that. Eat blah, 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 fucking blah. <laughs> Eat a dick. Fucking blah. Yeah. She then says, are you drunk or something? <laughs> my girl. <laughs> <laughs> he says, nope, that's how I feel. I have thought about it a lot and the way I've been and how you don't deserve that. And I know I can be so much of a better man. She says, sorry, but I can't believe you. Can't. Can't. Not, don't. Literally Not can't. Literally can't. Yeah. Perfect words. And the most wonderful part is that after all of that bullshit, he still stayed out with friends again that night and the night after. Oh my God. So Monday, June 6th, Amber calls her grandmother, Gloria, crying. She then told her, she told her and her uncle that she was going to file for divorce and move back in with her mom. So that night, Josh comes home after midnight and he and Amber do not hardly acknowledge each other and both go straight to bed. Oh, the old silent middle finger. Yeah. Mm. On the morning of the incident, June 7th, 2011, both of them woke up and had breakfast around 1 p.m. That's cute. <laughs> right? <laughs> Josh, Josh was preparing to leave the apartment. He had some things packed already into a green duffel bag. He was actually waiting on friends to come pick him up. We already fucking knew this. Yeah. Uh, that day as he had no vehicle of his own they're letting these people in the military you guys Woo! Uh Uh, he had called his father to pick him up but his father declined saying he couldn't get away from work while he finished packing gloria grandma called amber concerned about the events of the previous day amber told her that she would be over to the house soon because she wanted to stay out of josh's way while he was finishing packing She also told Gloria that she would be bringing laundry to do as they didn't have a washer and dryer in the apartment, and she often did laundry at her grandmother's house. At this time, Amber was seven and a half months pregnant. And what floor do they live on? The 17th floor? 25th floor, technically, but eight of those were car uh, parking, so. I mean, yeah, very much technically. 17th floor, but 25 stories. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah. So the protective order was in the apartment. Uh, It was on an end table with a bunch of other papers just kind of folded up in there. I know that picture makes it look like it was of import, but it wasn't. Like, it was just in the apartment, folded up. Yeah, it looks like it was like, uh, what's the word? Like, placed. Yes. Yeah. That was, I mm, don't like how they did that because that's an evidence photo. I don't like wow. how they... Wow, so you like touched it, moved it somewhere else? Yes. Like it's literally supposed to be exactly as it was when you got there. They And they took a picture of it where it was. Then they pulled it out and took another picture of it. And this is the one that they used in court. I was just about to say, as long as they use the other one, not this one in court, that's fucking tampering. Yeah. Is it not? You yeah. tell me. This is kind of your job, right? I don't see how it's not. Oh. I mean, if you God. present both of them in court, fine. But, but if one you, over the others... Yeah. Exactly. No! Okay. Yep. Yep. As Josh waited for his friends to pick him up, Amber decided it was a good time to talk about the split up a final time before they separated for good. Girl, let it the fuck go! Right? Let it go! Get out! Get out! Oh, it's like she's trying to milk a cat. It's just not gonna happen, yeah, Amber. No. 
I think she just really, really wanted some fucking closure, some apologies. Well, she's pregnant. Eye to eye sober shit. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. At this point, you can fuck right off and I don't care, but I really deserve something from you because you're a rat bastard. Exactly. I'm just saying. So... She started sorting laundry and brought up the divorce. She told Josh she needed his apartment key to get back to her mother and that he needed to find a new place to stay when he returned from his concert trip. Yeah, he was about to go on a trip. That And this is what they had fought about a lot leading up to this day, was this concert trip in particular. Because he told her that he was going she said no you're not those texts that you read that me and you back and forth earlier where she was like buy me a crib first or you're not going he later determines that he's going no matter what and that he is going to take and sell drugs there where's he going wakarusa fuck um i forget what the concert was called but it's it was yeah kind of like the a million different bands in one place sort of thing Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah okay Mm -hmm. i'm going to burning man and i'm gonna sell all the drugs yeah okay what are you fucking doing with the money why are you acting like this is some sort of beneficial hustle to our relationship well i'm like borderline siphoning gas out of other cars so i can come pick your dumb ass up while you hang out with your friends like what's what is this and he straight up tells her because she asks the same thing like why are you doing this and he's like well it's for you and baby levi Bullshit. What? (laughs) Bullshit. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You don't even fill up the car with gas? No. No. They continue to talk and the conversation again turned to Josh's partying and drug use. Josh claimed the trip wasn't a buddy trip, but to sell pills, like we said, and come back with money for them and the baby. Amber wanted Josh to get an actual job and stop selling. Josh became more mean and hostile at that time, according to Amber. Imagine this motherfucker should have just left her and gone to Fort Hood. Just fit right in. Ha, right? Make a lateral (laughs) move from the Air Force to the Army, go to Fort Hood and go. Oh, (laughs) man. Oh, man. You're such a corrupt person. Yeah, that would have been the place for him. Okay. Jesus. I'm done. She got ready to leave for Gloria's house. She had her sunglasses on top of her head, her purse and keys nearby. She went to pick up her clothes she was taking and started taking Josh's clothes out of the basket. That's when Josh blew up. He asked her what she was doing. She told him that she wasn't doing his laundry anymore, and he freaked out. Like a five-year-old. Of fucking course he did. He picked up the basket, dumped her clothes, and threw the basket across the room, hitting the bedroom patio window that overlooked the balcony, breaking it. He then stormed out of the room. Like you do when you're a grown-ass adult human. Can someone please fucking explain to me how a laundry basket broke a window? That's a great question. You always do this. You always ask the perfect freaking questions <laughs> before we're ready to answer them. Do I have to be the cop first or can I just go straight to detective? Because I feel like I've got some real mean spidey senses. <laughs> okay. Amber called the downstairs office and told them they had a broken window and began to vacuum up the glass and then out to the balcony. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So we've got that in the vacuum probably still and in the trash can. Okay. good. Amber called the downstairs office and told him they had a broken window, began to vacuum up the glass, and then out to the balcony and swept that glass up as well. The office had told her that they already had a glass repairman in the building, and that that's great, and that when he was done, they would send him right over to board up theirs and measure it for replacement. 
When she came back in, the argument picked up again, this time about the window and how angry her mother would be and how childish he was acting. On point, on point, (laughs) you're not wrong. Amber secluded herself in the bathroom and began crying so hard that she threw up. Josh came in wanting to talk more. He said he wanted to work things out, but right now he agreed they needed to take a break. Josh was in the bathroom with her for about two minutes. Then the talk escalated to fight again. Josh left the bathroom and texted his friends again to hurry and pick him up. A few minutes later, the window repairman, Armando Rosales, was at the door. He took a look at the damage. Josh asked him how much the repair would cost, and Rosales quoted him $150. Rosales recalls he got very angry and asked his wife if her mother would be paying for it. The two made their way into the living room as Rosales finished up outside the balcony. Rosales says they started fighting in the living room and he could hear them yelling at each other. When Amber came out of the bathroom, Josh grabbed her by the shoulders. At this point, they were in the middle of the living room. She pushed him backwards off of her. He went off balance backwards into the TV stand, excuse me, catching his foot on it, then tripped on his own feet and couldn't catch himself, eventually falling backwards into and then out of the window. So this is a different window? It is. It's a window in the living room. These are some weak-ass windows. Dear Tower, You, wh- what was this called? What's this place called? Fuck this place. Uni- My God. University Club Tower. University Club. Boy, howdy. I hope somebody's in some sort of weird-ass lawsuit with you people. We'll get okay. there. Damn it! <laughs> <sighs> okay. Amber rushed to the window and tried to grab his right foot and succeeded, but his weight pulled her to the window and eventually his foot out of her hands. His shoe came off in her hand, and she dropped it out the window, thinking she still had time to get him. But she did not, and he landed 17 stories below on the 8th story parking garage roof. They were only three feet away from the window when this took place. So That's a weird... Okay, can we just talk about where that window is in the room? Like, why the hell would you be right there over there there's not a lot of room there you know what i'm saying uh apparently he was like over there trying to pack up his game shit like okay, a- fair i see that like a tv stand over there yeah is that what that is in front of the coffee table yes okay yeah. that kind of makes sense because i'm yeah. like who that's not an area of the room that you would fucking hang out in yeah that's the area of the room that always has perfect carpet because no one stands there yeah so anyways the blinds are broken yeah, he he had grabbed the blinds and took some of them with him, which they were closed when, like, totally closed. And he took some of them with him when he fell out. Oh, my God. So, Rosales says he heard sounds that made him think that Josh was hitting Amber from the living room. And he apparently amped himself up to, to confront Josh. He's... A small man. Oh, bless his little Spanish heart. Josh is this huge football player, dude. And he's like, okay, if he's in there fucking her up, I can do this. I can do this. I'm gonna, I just have to amp myself up a little bit. Kick out his kneecaps. (laughs) Yeah. And then, so before he could get in there, he hears a scuffling sound in the living room and then this large crash. His first thought, now he testified to this three times, twice in written form, once on the stand. His first thought was Amber was in trouble. That he thought that Josh had actually either killed her or knocked her out. And then when he looked down and saw Josh, he thought that he had committed suicide. Oh my that was his first thought. 
Then he runs runs into the living room. No one's in there, not even Amber. He sees the window, empty living room. He thinks, oh shit, she's knocked out in another room somewhere. Uh, his cell phone rings and it's his partner, whose name was Antonio de Paz. He was outside at ground floor level at his truck getting some repair supplies out. And he actually saw Josh fall out the window. Yikes. Yeah. And he calls Rosales and tells him, um, someone just fell out the window. And of course, Rosales is like, well, yeah, just, I'm, I'm in that room. (laughs) (laughs) He leans out on the phone and waves. Bro. (laughs) (laughs) Guess what, man? This is a crazy shit. (laughs) He actually says, quote, oh my God, he jumped. That's what he said to his partner on the phone. He then hangs up. He leaves. He goes out into the hallway and actually sees Amber in the hallway making her way to the elevator. Um, He says that she was screaming and crying. He got into the elevator with her. He says that she was frantic and she kept saying, is he dead over and over again? When the elevator opened again, Rosales, like it kept stopping on the, she thought that he had, hit at ground level and so she was trying to go all the way down and it kept stopping at different uh floors and there were different people trying to get on and oh stuff. my god would that not be you'd just be like oh first <laughs> yeah so terrible and rosales says every time they stopped at a different floor he just kept yelling at people to call 911 um they finally got to the floor amber runs out and realizes that she he's not on the ground floor so she looks up and figures out where he must have landed goes back in and gets back in the elevator to go up to where he she thinks that he's at the apartment manager at this time actually meets her comes out of his office and joins her in the elevator he tells her because she's apparently hysterical he tells her to quote shut up and be quiet and that she's not helping the situation um, you see this fucking bump on my stomach and the ring on my left hand? Let's not tell me how to react right now. Exactly. Exactly. No. Brad Blake, who is the <laughs> office manager. I don't think I said that. Hey, Brad Blake. <laughs> Fuck, Fuck you. you. <laughs> <laughs> so she finally gets to the right level and she rushes out to his side. Um, as you can see there's pictures and I'm going to, I have a bunch of evidence pictures, document pictures and, and stuff that I'll put on our website. So this is the one that I got a hold of. There were actually 19 photos of his body that they wouldn't release to the public, but it wasn't, uh, how do I say this delicately? His body was not human shaped by the yeah, time yeah, he landed. I mean, you, yeah. You squish. So, um, as Amber describes it, his bones were sticking out everywhere and his body was contorted. Yeah. You turn into like a puddle. Yeah. So I, I, maybe they just, you know, for the, for the family, they just didn't want the public to see it. You can see that the blinds are being pulled out by the, uh, suction. Brad. Fucking Brad. (laughs) He hears Amber say, quote, Josh, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to push you, wake up. This was the first nail, I think, in her coffin. But, like, it's the fucking truth, man. It is, it is. Okay, first of all, 
at what point can this be self-defense? Second of all, you do mean to push someone off you. I do not mean to push you out a window to and plummet to your fucking Ex- death. Exactly. Exactly. Why can't you just be honest? But you know that the prosecution is going to take everything they can and skew it however they want to. Yeah, because they're fucking drama queens. Like this isn't bad enough. <laughs> yeah. Like she doesn't have a bag of bones as a puddle husband oh she's pulling God. into her lap with pregnant ass belly. I just I I can't imagine. And okay, so I I wanted to tell you as well while while before we move f- further cuz I um this is the first time I did a t- uh how would you describe this? Um reenactment. So I'm the same height as Amber. I'm the same amount pregnant as Amber. At this point, we had some friends over for game night the other night. Are you about to tell me something incriminating? No, okay. no, okay, no, no. Your house is only one story. We're no. Oh, yeah, no, we're. <laughs> I was, I was back to the apartment for once. <laughs> oh shit! No, no, house now, house now. <laughs> so I, I did a little experiment. <laughs> I did do an experiment though. So, okay, uh, <laughs> so I'm outside and um, my a couple of my friends are in the living room, and my friend David is standing in front of my window that's in my living room, and I realize I'm very intrigued. I need to learn more because David is six five. Oh, I I need to know. So I went and I got a ruler. And I took measurements on my window and it is the exact same measurements of the Hilberling's window. And I mean exact same from like the floor up to where it starts to the entirety of the window. It's the exact same. Let's do some reenacting here because I need to know and... This was only because I had just listened to all those other stupid podcasts. And even Nancy Grace was like, a woman who's five, six and who's pregnant could never have pushed a six, five man out that window. So with my husband's help and, uh, his brother-in-law, David's brother-in-law and David, we reenacted this. And let me tell you, it is stupid easy to tilt him over. It's like stupid easy. Okay. Okay. But wait, okay. But wait, you do not have to push. I didn't have to push into him like with my entire body. So the way that we came at it was he was standing directly over me and he put his hands on my shoulders, which is where Amber said his hands were and that she was trying to fight him off with her hands in front of her. And let me just add that um, I don't care how unintimidating you are. Once you're 6'5 and you're standing over me and I'm 5'6 and you're that close and you have your hands on me, it's kind of terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. You can break me, okay? (laughs) And not to mention, she she weighs 125 pounds plus a little baby weight. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he is like a fucking football player in the military. She was 140 at this time. See? Yeah. That's little. Yes. And I mean, the minute that he came at me and was over me, like, I panicked a little bit. I was like, oh, shit. I'm sorry. That's that's what I was (laughs) going to mention. The adrenaline. Like, you severely underestimate me if you think that you can back me in a corner and I won't throw you out that fucking window. Yeah. Like, I'll eat your whole six foot six body. 
I did not even expect it. I didn't expect that because I knew he was coming at me. We're doing the, a thing here. This is my idea. Yeah, this is my idea. She. <laughs> he towers over me and puts his hands on my shoulders and I just kind of freaked out a little bit. Like it was just like all enveloping over me and it, it just kind of freaked me out and I had to step back and go, okay, whew, reassess, reset. Let's try this one more time. I'm going to actually bodily, I'm going to do a bodily harm. <laughs> I'm going to do a bodily harm. Well, right you, you also have like the mom instincts too. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, just like her so it's like right now you come at me i'm gonna get a little spicy but if i have a bear cub in my belly like yes mm-hmm. exactly it's mm-hmm. like how do you and the, that's the first thing i thought was where would my hands go to try to like would i cover my stomach would i cover my face like what did i do and my first instinct was one hand over the stomach one hand over the face makes sense and then, you know, they're over there going, okay, but you have to push him. You, you have to try to make him go through this window. Of course, my husband was standing behind him, so he wouldn't actually go through the window, guys, okay? Bummer. But It's um, for science. <laughs> it's for science. It's for science. <laughs> they're like, you're going to have to push him and try to knock him off balance. And remember, he is towering over you, so his weight is already forward. The first thing I did was hand over the stomach, hand over the face. I brought them together and just pushed straight out. Yeah. I, I, in all honesty, you'd probably, if you think about it, like my knee jerk reaction, my hands would land about at the bottom of your rib cage. And I actually had stepped back. I stepped like one foot back when I pushed. Yeah. And when I pushed straight out, my hands ended up hitting him right above the hips. Oh yeah. And when that happened, I had accidentally hit him a little harder on one side than the other, and he went right over. We reenacted this several different times, and every time I pushed him in right in the middle section around the hips and belly button, every single time, he went off balance. Oh, yeah. Good point. Another good point. And then we held him like... Uh, it almost looked like we were baptizing him at one point because we had him back so that his leg could stick out so that I could see if like when he went back and scuffled backwards, the back of his knee hit the top of that window pane at the bottom. And that just sent him off even more. And then we uh, had him back so that his leg could stick out so that I could see how freaking long his legs are, I didn't have to move to grab his foot. Yeah. So at no point did I have to walk forward at all. Yeah. Right. It could still be self-defense and still, yes, I meant to push him, just not out the freaking window. <laughs> yep. That's insane. Okay, so a little after 4 p.m., first responders get there. One first responder said that he feared that Amber was so upset that she would actually jump off the roof at that point. They had to like literally pull her up and away from him. They said that at one point she stopped and vomited in the parking lot. They also said that there was nothing they could do. Like he, he died on impact. Oh yeah. Uh, they took her vitals, made her sit and tried to calm her down. Um, as police got there, she brought a medic's phone and called Gloria 
Witnesses heard Josh fell out the window. I pushed him and he fell out the window. I didn't mean to push him. I'm going to jail. The crowd included bystanders, civilians, eight firefighters, three medics, and 13 police officers. Mother of God. That's a lot of witnesses saying all the king's horses and all the king's men. Exactly. (laughs) Media arrived and they transported Amber to the police station and placed her in an interrogation room with her grandmother. That was the most painful fucking interrogation thing I know. I've ever seen in my life. So I am actually going to post a link. The link is right now on our website. And all of these pictures are also on our um, website. Um, but I'm going to post a link to that interrogation, the full interrogation. Uh, I say interrogation. It wasn't an interrogation. Um, the camera just happened to be on. So if any of you want to, like watch slash listen to that whole entire thing yeah. <laughs> that's up to you you should do it just yeah, i think you should the, do it for the life experience that it is <laughs> and her grandmother's 47 fucking thousand phone calls god bless grandmothers everywhere she meant well she's very calculated she did not <laughs> she was very smart she, she, was she very didn't smart. have a whole she didn't have a I, she kind of has maternal instincts like Amber's breaking down at one point and she's like, he should still be here. And she stands up and she's like, he's in a better place. Like instantly. Like, don't be sad. I'm like, but that's also typical Oklahoma. Like the worst thing in the fucking world can happen. And your parents are like, did you die? Is someone dead? Exactly. Yes. Like these people are not allowed to deal with their emotions. Fucking period. And, And I have the transcript here. Um, I'll just read a couple of things here. Like at one point, um, Gloria asked if Josh had been doing pills that day. Amber says, no, she didn't think so that he went out with friends the night before that he had smoked weed. Um, why does she ask that? Is she, is she like already trying to form a, what's it called for her? A bias. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Probably. Okay. Wow. Jesus Christ. Uh, Defense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably. Gloria asked her at one point, were you both struggling? And Amber kind of looks at her like she's kind of confused about what she's asking. And she says, what do you mean? And Gloria says, um, when you were, she says when you was, but that really bothers me. (laughs) (laughs) When you was up the hill. And then Amber kind of cuts her off and she says, I can't get the image out of my head of him falling out the window. Amber said, I keep trying to tell myself this isn't real. It's all going to be over soon. Then she whispers to herself, I can't, this isn't happening. Josh is dead. Actually, I think I might um, pull some of the audio from this video and stick it in. So maybe you can hear her say it because I say it very cold. I mean, I don't mean to, but like, I'm sorry. She just comes. I don't, I've seen people in shock and I've seen people in grief and she just, I don't know how to word this besides she, she doesn't seem that sad. She, she seems like it bothers her that it was at her hands, but sometimes the face she makes is relief. I know exactly what that fucking face looks like. And I'm not kidding you. It looks like relief. And this also may have a lot to do with a woman who is tied to a man that she does not know how to get away from. And boom. It might be relief. Yeah. 
And she, I don't, well, at this point, I don't think that she did it on purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, she's, and she's talking about like, she says his bones were sticking out all over. His whole body was broken. And I just held him and kissed his cheek and screamed at him to wake up. She says, this is going to turn into a nightmare. So, I mean, it's just like little things like that, that I think helped get her convicted you know yeah Gloria asks her if she she was about to come to her house Amber says she was waiting for him to leave she says I didn't even yell at him or anything I don't know what happened he was the one walk, walking around yelling at me being mean I was just cleaning up the glass her grandma told her not to say anything to the police until her lawyer could get there they were trying to get her a lawyer at the time and um they just they didn't realize that the camera was on and so the police kind of got everything they needed to get just from her talking to her grandma. Just thinking out loud. Her grandma leaves at one point and she's sitting in the room by herself. And she looks up like on the video and like is seemingly talking to Josh. She says, Josh, baby, I will never, ever forgive myself. I can't even begin to accept this. I want you to be here. Just come back, please. Please. I love you. I love you so much. I hope, I hope you are happy. I will spend the rest of my life paying for this. This one's a weird one, obviously, because we recorded a good portion of it we had planned on making it our season finale and then I got pergergonaut and then um I had to go in for uh basically an emergency c-section a month early um and so I never got to finish the last half of this episode so now it is technically our official season three opener And so now the weird thing, (laughs) I was eight months pregnant when we did the last part. Now my son is eight months old. (laughs) If that tells you anything. (laughs) We took a sabbatical. (laughs) We, We did. And I'm so sorry that it took so long, but we left off right before we told you about the pre-trial the trial and what happened in the years after we're just gonna jump in jump in jump on in amber's attorneys tried to get witnesses from alaska to testify in her trial of course they couldn't afford to bring them to tulsa and the witnesses couldn't afford to get here on their own so they rounded up witness statements and police reports in hopes of using a self-defense at trial So the state looked into these witnesses and could have technically brought them here for trial, but it really didn't help the case. So they elected not to have them testify. So the state and the media, you know, was painting Josh as this all-American war hero with an abusive and mentally unstable wife that murdered him on purpose. And Anything, evidence or witnesses that didn't fit that narrative wouldn't be used in trial if they could help it. So instead, the state gathered statements from Josh's friends and family about what a stand-up guy he was and how unstable Amber was. This is like gaslighting of the century. 
Sounds familiar. I know. Like, I, f- mm. I feel so bad for her. Like, it's not just your significant other now gaslighting you. It's literally the state of Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Um, most of these statements claim that Amber was the abuser and she's the one that did the drugs even while she was pregnant and her bond was set at $250,000. Her parents had trouble coming up with the 10% that she needed to get out on that bond, which is about 25000 but eventually got it paid and Amber was able to go home during trial prep. So within hours... The state filed a motion to increase her bond to $500,000, meaning that if passed by the judge, Amber would have to come up with another $25,000 or go back to jail while she waited for trial. I didn't know that they could just do that. Like, once you set it and it's paid, I didn't know that they could just up it. Actually, more. So then June 16th, 2011, Nathan McGowan whom lived in apartment 2508, came forward with a fishy statement to police. He claimed that he had heard them clearly arguing and what sounded like running across the apartment from the left to right, let's say, quote, left to right, from the living room to the window, end quote, in apartment 2509, implying that Amber had charged Josh and purposefully knocked him out the window. The strange part is that there's a concrete stairwell between the two apartments, making his apartment 40 to 50 feet away from their apartment, which would, I think, would make it kind of difficult for him to have heard any of that from his apartment, because this concrete stairwell is like 10 feet wide with concrete stairs in the middle. It went up and down the length of the entire building, so no one even those closer to the scene than McGowan claimed to have heard anything like this. Like, no one. Not even the people that lived right next door. McGowan also claimed that Amber was smoking weed that day. <laughs> How he knew this, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Why is this of concern to you? <laughs> like, it's not bath salts. It's not, I have never, I, oh, just, let me just... I don't know. I I, I I don't know very many violent potheads. I'm just saying they don't have fucking energy. That's to, what first I'm of all. saying. That's what. And she's like, pregnant. I love all you what weed smokers out there, but you're a fucking lazy bunch, especially when you're high. So <laughs> you're not exactly shit. riled up trying to kill people. Yeah, it's like you just and you just chill, man. How would he have seen this? Because this building is circular. It's like a, a giant cylinder. So if he's forty to fifty feet away way that would put him almost on the other side of the building so he couldn't see her if she was like out on her terrace or whatever so in order to see her smoking weed she would have to have gone out into like just been smoking in the hall or some shit and who would do that why does this fucking matter i don't know oh well it matters because they're trying to paint her as the drug user because he he was the one uh, first of all Oh my god! I like know that's a drug. I know. Okay, she's that's, not shooting up heroin. That's it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh my god! Thank you. Well, and apparently, her, the husband, uh, Josh, was into all kinds of stuff, cocaine, and like all kinds of hardcore stuff. And we're gonna just sit here and be like, yeah, but she smokes weed though. <laughs> oh what? my god! The devil's lettuce. <laughs> We've been praying for her for years. It's so stupid. <laughs> Riddle me this. 
I don't know. So I, I saw her smoking a cigarette. How dare she? How dare she? I have no doubt in my mind she's a cold-blooded killer. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I just, you know, hands up. When questioned further, McGowan then retracted, saying that, oh, well, he only smelled weed coming from the apartment and assumed it was her. There's like, (laughs) do you know how many apartments are in this building? (laughs) Oh, my God. This dude's a fucking clown. Yeah. And uh, they actually put him on the stand to testify at trial to this. That's cute. On June 20th, 2011, Amber is given a polygraph test by her lawyers. She passes. June 27th, 2011, which also don't get me started on polygraph tests because. Okay. That's what I was going to say. I thought we, I thought we deemed these inadmissible. I thought like, why the fuck does this even matter? This is, and this is at the pre-trial. Yeah. This is pre-trial stuff. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that they are not admissible in court. Like, I don't think you can use them in court, but sometimes I I think that they do it sometimes just to be like, well, they passed a polygraph. So even though they can't use it, welcome uh, to the fucking century, Oklahoma. (laughs) Yeah. Dear God. And another thing I wanted to bring up, like when we did the, when we recorded the first part, I had not finished my PI school yet. I have now. And there's a lot of like different things that like, but we went over polygraph testing and it's just it's not it's not as black and white as people seem to think it is there's a lot of ways that you can flunk it and and be truthful and there's a lot of ways that you can pass it and be totally lying sack of shit so so i i wouldn't put too much faith in polygraph tests that's just me my my opinion June 27th, 2011, a statement is made that Josh's toxicology report came back clean, furthering rumors that Amber had made all the drug use up. No! Bullshit. Bullshit! I don't know um, how long it it stays in your system, like certain things stay in your system, because, I don't know, maybe you would know, because you do that kind of testing, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... Uh, those of you who are just joining us for some reason, Holly is a lab tech, and so she does a lot of blood testing and, and testing like this stuff in, in the lab. So I was just wondering, like, I know that THC is, stays in your system for only like a day or something. Am I hitting the mark or am I off? No, 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 no. That's, this is where, this is where it varies. There's a lot of variables here. And it's kind of like alcohol. It just depends on, it depends on how frequent your use is. Okay. And the last time you used, and if you've had anything cleansing, things depend. It depends. Right, 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 right. But if you were to use like the day previous, it's probably going to show up. Even if, if, let's just say Mm -hmm. it's the first time you ever use it and you come in the next day, it's probably going to show up. Um, it should be noted that uh, this talk screen that they did, did not, I repeat, did not test for THC or Oxy, which are, which were his two favorite things. What the shit? Yikes on bikes. So here's the deal. Whenever, whenever you're the prosecution and when you're the defense, say you're the, like, you've got to be really careful bringing, like, shining light on her and marijuana 
whenever you have all this shit that he does. And she probably knows plenty of people she could bring forward as witnesses. Like, uh, he does coke with this guy. You know yeah, what I mean? He yeah. used to do meth and go on benders for days and then come home with this guy. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of... Right. Um, and maybe what if these people had priors? You know, they could snitch on him. And he's dead. He's not going to... There's not going to be any retaliation. <clears throat> yeah. So they didn't test for THC. They didn't test for Oxy. Um, which is what Josh would have been on at the time. But all media reports stated that he had no illegal drugs in his system when he died. It's nuts. I really feel like the media should have reported this correctly because he had no illegal drugs in his system that we tested for when he died. Anyway, uh, so August 6, 2011, Levi Hilberling is born. This is their son. Photos were posted online of Amber and Levi the day of. And Amber was still wearing her wedding ring as she gave birth. The prosecution finally handed over the video of Amber and Gloria in the police station. If you don't remember, Gloria is her grandma who was in the interview room with her. They also handed over a phone recording taken from an officer's phone at the time of Amber's arrest. When asked by the defense why minutes were missing <laughs> they blamed these omissions on quote technical issues end quote these incomplete recordings would be used in the trial defense tried to get them thrown out and excluded from the evidence stating that she spoke to gloria in confidence and it was not part of any interrogation therefore a violation of miranda rights but the motion was denied stating that quote no one could reasonably expect privacy in a police station end quote and you know what i kind of agree with that one <laughs> yeah definitely like the minute you step into a police station Nothing you do anymore is private, period. No, hell no. Everything is everybody's business. <laughs> so, in the meantime, her lawyers began putting evidence together for a wrongful death lawsuit against the apartment complex. Okay, and here's where I have a lot of issues because this is a lot of evidence that I feel like if everything were up to code, even if she did intentionally push him, if everything were up to code, I don't think he would have gone through the window. So maybe they are at fault in in some aspect of this. So the windows were found to be anything but up to snuff. They were the original windows from when the building was actually built in 1966. It's nuts. Do you know how thin those windows were? They were not inch thick, uh, one inch thick safety glass which is standard now in high-rise buildings instead they were quote like picture frame glass end quote being only nine and one hundredths of an inch thick which is 10 times thinner than safety glass did these bitches not get broken by like birds and stuff or hail oh Oklahoma? yeah that's the that's, like, that's the thing this, is these so did we replace it with better glass no no. Oh my god. That's the thing. <laughs> you remember um one of the windows in their apartment complex had broken with Josh threw something at her and it barely hit the window and it broke. And so remember they were actually repairing one of the windows when this incident happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. But these these 
windows broke all the freaking time. That's why they literally had a, a window repair guy on call. And they would just do it, replace it the cheapest possible way they could, which was to basically put the same glass back in there. Solid job security. Yeah, that's what I... <laughs> mm. This glass was a little under one millimeter in thickness. One millimeter. That blows my mind. Even for 1966 to think that that was safe in a high-rise building that has 30 floors blows my mind. What the shit? So... The window that Josh fell from was 16 square feet, or 4 by 4, and it stood 2 feet off the ground, at which it would have been, like, knee-high to Josh. And the seals and the gaskets were old and worn out. An expert brought in from Chicago, and I believe the expert was paid for by the defense, um, or maybe even the family, um... But he came in from Chicago and took a look and told the defense that if the windows were updated and at least an inch thick safety glass that's standard today, Josh would never have gone through it. He also stated that the window that far up would have been like a vacuum, like you get the chimney effect of air pressure that would be pushing inward at the bottom floors and sucking outward once the glass is broken at the upper floors. So it's like sucking you out the window, basically, once it's open. This effect increases dramatically in the heat. And of course, this is Tulsa, Oklahoma. So it's literally a bog all year round. <laughs> the day that the incident happened, Tulsa was pushing triple digits that day. It is absolute balls hot like it's um and i actually have the uh glass report i believe somewhere that i will upload to the website what? yeah i read the whole report and i'm like okay this is ridiculous and there's a picture i have pictures as well and you can see the picture there of how thin the glass in is is it's like it's not even as thick as like a car window if that makes sense it's not even that thick and it's at this point this apartment was, what, 20-something floors up? It's just... Come on. So, moving on to October 26, 2011, for the preliminary hearing. Between the testimony of witnesses and the recordings, the judge found there to be enough probable cause to begin a trial. So the prosecutor's closing statement that said Amber had caught him by surprise, shoving him from behind, and he went out the window, quote, face first, feet first, standing straight up, end quote, makes no goddamn sense to me. <laughs> what the fuck? No one can go out a window that way. I'm sorry. Was he 16 inches tall? That's what I'm saying. No one can go out a window that way. That's just that's first, first. <laughs> I didn't, I'm he was in downward dog and he just I almost want to yes I almost want to like look and see if this person is still a prosecutor because come on like that's the I think they have lead poisoning <laughs> no you're like is there any way I can make this make sense in my mind I mean if you wily coyote it I guess <laughs> But the- <laughs> I mean, your face and your feet, there is, you can't say anything went out first except for the no. thing that went out first. I know. It's not like, 
China gets a gold medal, USA gets a gold medal, and then <laughs> Yemen gets third place. I mean, you would literally have to roadrunner that shit. Like, straight out. You know what I mean? And then just kind of dangle your feet for a minute and go, oh, no. Like, <laughs> that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And for this to be a four-by-four four window, and Josh is tall, there's no way in hell that's how that happened. <laughs> Maybe, okay, 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 wait. Maybe he's speculating instead of saying that he did, he went all these ways. He's saying whether it be face first, feet first, or standing straight up. No, that's not, no, that's not what well, I'm saying. I fucking tried. You know I know you did that. try, but I have read enough <laughs> on that part where that is not. No, they, they literally mean like a stick figure standing straight up and then, and the whole body went out. Yeah, and, like a pencil dive. Yes, like, it the makes no sense. Way to get to the bottom of the pool. Okay. It's stupid. They're stupid. I'm sorry. That's stupid. But anyway, yes, you tried. You tried. <laughs> 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 you tried harder than they did. I can tell you that. <laughs> so November 29th, 2011, after the prelim, Amber's mood and personality changed, of course. And can we talk about the fact that um, I, I want to talk about postpartum here real quick because postpartum is real oh yeah and I did not believe honestly in my mind I did not know how harsh postpartum was until I experienced it myself I had a really rough go after I had my son yeah postpartum is one of those things that you might not know your friend or your loved one is being affected by because you don't know the signs or symptoms because you've never experienced it yourself and to imagine going through postpartum going through all of the changes that your body goes through after birth that you go through mentally physically emotionally and on top of that now we have to deal with a murder trial yeah i know and i i it's it's my belief just mine and mine alone that she's innocent i don't think that she meant to do this yeah and i cannot imagine what she was going through at this point in time yeah i feel like she should have gotten some sort of postpartum help here i never read anything where they had treated her for anything i didn't see anything anywhere where where they had given her a therapist or anything like that so yeah that being said I think that this is something that we need to be more vigilant about with our friends and family. Yeah. Obviously, she was no longer positive and upbeat. I mean, she's going through a murder trial. Uh, she's got probably postpartum. Uh, it seems to hit harder when you, you have already experienced depression in your life or anxiety in your life. I, I know that from my experience. Yeah. Um, a lot of her friends, her defense said she seemed distant. She was very depressed. Um, she often spoke to Josh while looking like she was like in this daze. And uh, at one point when she was with Gloria, her grandma, she even said, quote, Josh is right here. Don't you see him? End quote. Oh, my. And like everybody started to like really worry for her mental health. So for Thanksgiving... Everyone in her family left town, and they took Levi with them. And she couldn't leave the city. Now, she's out on bail, but she's not allowed to leave the city. So she literally has to stay there alone. 
and she didn't handle being abandoned very well and she called a friend um, and asked her to bring her some pills she took too many and she ended up being rushed by ambulance to Hillcrest Hospital for an overdose now this is the first recorded time that she had done any sort of drugs as you can quote unquote drugs um and I'm gonna say she was probably in a very dark place I would have been I was and I didn't have half of these problems that she had so I can imagine not knowing what to do and just not caring anymore so the hospital removed her ankle monitor get this during the stay okay and it went dead what the shit (laughs) according to her bond okay she had to wear it constantly keep it charged and call when it was dead or she needed to remove it but because she was incapacitated obviously she couldn't do any of this um and within the next couple of days she would go directly from the hospital to court and then directly to jail where with her bond being revoked because of that why would a hospital take off your ankle monitor she's in there for an overdose there's no reason you have to take that off that's a great question i mean that's like there's no reason you should take that off that you have to take that off so the question that the biggest question here is why did they feel the need to remove it okay so i'm i'm following i'm doing the right thing here judging this <laughs> yes absolutely because okay. <laughs> i'm like wait wait a fucking minute like, wait 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 when no, have no. you ever asked me <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> true <laughs> I'm like, hang on. I thought we were just going to like mention this and let it go. And I was like, nah. uh, well, no, because hold on. <laughs> I don't like it. I, um, no, I, I, I agree. I don't think there was any reason for them to have removed it. And I know for a fact, Hillcrest is one of the biggest hospitals here in Tulsa. Um, with my husband being a paramedic. I know for a fact that they deal with people with ankle monitors very regularly. Yeah, and there's no there's no reason there's there's no reason for it un- unless it is something happening underneath the ankle monitor or maybe it's cutting off circulation or something like that. Obviously, that was not the case. And even then, they might contact law enforcement yes. in one way or another to be like Hey, you know, we need another one. Let's put this back on. Because you yes. don't know why the fuck that person has it on them. Yes. Well, it, well my, my question is, I mean, I've never worn an ankle monitor. I've never seen one, I guess, in real life. Um, so I don't... I have some friends that have had to wear them. They come to the lake with them. They can't get in the water. <laughs> but my, <Anyway. laughs> my question is, how do you get it on and off? Because obviously it needs to stay on there. They don't want convicts or whatever taking them off. So like, I mean, as far as I know, you don't. That's what. Yeah, that's what. So how did they get it off of her? Is my question. It's probably got that. Yeah, they might have cut it or something. Like that, it might have that. Probably and that same. If, this is probably stupid. I'm probably speculating like a motherfucker here. Well, but we like, both are, but that's okay. <laughs> but if, but if busts and dies your foot. If you take it off. <laughs> but if they cut it off. Wouldn't you think that that's damaging city property or something like that? Like, what, well, that's I, what that's what I'm saying. Like, unless that was impairing her in some way, you you fucking wouldn't. I feel like they, they would have to report that in some way, in some capacity. 
unless you cut it off and you damaged it to where it's not capable capable of being charged anymore. I just I think that was handled so poorly by the hospital. Like I know. I'm still I don't know. I'm still on the fence about this. When you come in with an overdose and you're out of it and you have to have you have to be intubated and like probably get your stomach pumped and all this shit. She had no idea what was going on. She couldn't have called at any time and been like, hey, they cut my ankle monitor off. Like that's just, that's dumb to think that she could have had an opportunity to do that and to not hold Hillcrest responsible. It's also dumb to sit there and be like, like for that, for her to be something Jesus tits. Yeah. Yeah. For that to be something she'd even be worried about. Like, I wouldn't even think two things about it. Yeah. I don't care about this. Get this fucking thing off me. Like, think I'm a flight risk. You know, whatever. Yeah. I get it, but. But, I mean, yeah, that was handled really poorly. So, she went straight from the hospital to court, and then they were like, no, it's all your fault. And then just revoked her bond and sent her to jail. And you have no empathy, like, for any of this. You you don't want to hear any of it. And you're just like, you know what? It's your fault. December 13th, 2011, the defense argued in court for Amber for them to show mercy as she had never had issues before. She like didn't have a record, anything like that. Um, The defense won and Amber was released, but with more restrictions, including staying clean and taking routine drug tests. But at the same time, what the hell kind of drug tests are they going to make her take? Because, I mean, just because nobody said what those drugs were. Right. Like, were they were they opiates? Were they narcotics? If not, maybe they were just a shit ton of Ambien. You know what I mean? I'm not going to drug yeah. test you for Ambien. Yeah. Like, All I know is they were pills that wasn't released, I'm sure, that has something to do with HIPAA. But, um... I mean, if they're wanting to throw the damn book at her, why not mention the fact that you cannot take anything prescribed like if it's yeah like if it's zannies okay we're gonna drug test you for zannies and weed or whatever you know like did you just say zannies zannies yeah (laughs) that's a a thing right Uh, i'm not a drug person in the 90s (laughs) (laughs) i am now showing my age and the fact that i I know nothing about drugs great Perfect. Okay. Moving so on. Okay. <laughs> anyway, but like, that's the whole thing. Like, this girl should get in a shit ton of trouble, and you should get in trouble because y'all shouldn't be fucking sharing this stuff. Yeah. Like, that wasn't prescribed to you. No. A doctor didn't. Listen, everyone listening, you go to your own damn doctor and get your own damn drugs. Please. Because there's some, yes, there's some things that they can't prescribe to you that they can prescribe to someone else. Because, like, what if you've got high blood pressure, high cholesterol? Yep. Or the opposite, you know what I mean? And then it puts you night-night forever just on one pill. It's stupid. Stop taking other people's drugs. So then uh, let's jump to a couple days later, uh, December 15th. Amber is set to take a drug test and it comes back diluted. So she takes two tests that day. Both of them come back diluted. She has been in the hospital OD'd. Yeah. She has had fluids pumped through her body. Yes. To flush her out. Yes. On fucking purpose. So the best way that this drug test or toxicology report could have been administered is take her blood. Yeah. And if she if she was incapacitated, if she was intubated for any length of time, to turn around and try to do like 
this kind of test. Uh, did it say if it's a blood test? It doesn't. It doesn't. But I assume that it's a pee it test. It just says a drug test. I assume um, yeah, it's a I would pee test that too. because that's what that's the normal general test that they usually give is a pee test. Well, you just clearly don't know how the human body works if this lady just got out of the hospital for an overdose. Let's look. She had only been out for November 29th and then they test her for the first time on December 15th. So maybe. Eh, that's a while. Yeah, yeah, that's a while. If she is being told, you know, to stay hydrated and like if she's following specific doctor's orders, I just think that they're not taking any of that into consideration. Yeah, they're not. So then that was December 15th, December 22nd, 2011. She tests positive for THC. They, I, I believe they gave her like a warning at this point. And then a couple of day, days later, December 28th, 2011, again, she tests positive for THC. So her bond again is revoked on January 4th and she doesn't get any second third fourth chances she's now going to stay in prison until her trial what and according to her family and her attorneys she took full responsibility for her actions she said quote this is on me i screwed up i was stupid end quote so it's not like she's going oh no i didn't do any of that or she's fighting it at all she's just like yeah i fucked up and i'll i'll deal with the consequences the consequences are on me november 2012 this is Almost a whole ass year later, the civil suit and the wrongful death is filed. Okay. It names Amber as the sole beneficiary of the claim. This would stand as long as she is not found guilty. Because we have to remember, this is a civil suit and there's a criminal, criminal case going on at the same time for his death. So she can't be the beneficiary of, of him if she's found guilty of his death. So if she is found guilty, then it would go to the next heir to Josh's estate. And it would mean that his parents, not his child for some reason, but his parents would be the next in line for this, for his estate. What? Um, Probably because he didn't have a living will and Levi hadn't been born yet and all of this stuff. But so Amber's parents were angry when they learned that it wouldn't, <laughs> this is so dumb. Okay. Amber's parents got mad when they found out that Josh's estate would not default to them. No, I don't know why they would think that unless he's like estranged from his own parents or something. Which he's not, by the way. So yeah. I don't know why they would think that. So according to Amber's attorney in the civil case, her parents bombarded him with questions about the case and how much money could be expected from it if Amber won. Why do they need to know any of that? Like, number one, why is that any of their business? Bullshit! Because it's not going to default to them. And it's not going to default to Levi. And that's really all the information that they need to know. It's not You're not going to have anything to do with this money. It's going to go to Josh's parents and they're the only ones who probably need to know this information. Oh my god. It was also well known by this time that paying for her defense had wiped her parents out and they were having a lot of money issues. Oh uh, yeah, good point. So November 26th, 2012, without informing the attorneys or Amber 
Rhonda and Brian, Amber's parents, filed a petition in probate court seeking to be appointed as the personal representative of Josh Hilberling's estate. What the shit? So with it, they had filed an objection to Amber representing her husband's estate, arguing that she was, quote, incompetent to serve, end quote. Her own parents argued against her. To serve what? To serve as the representative of Josh Hilberling's estate. Oh, that makes me feel better. So all of a sudden, her parents are basically turning against her and trying to take possession of Josh's estate. That's insane. Obviously, Josh's parents quickly filed an objection to that. Amber's attorney quickly countered, arguing that Amber should maintain the estate until it was deemed that she could not by a guilty verdict, which I think I agree with that as well. The judge agreed, and Amber maintained Josh's estate, but this threw Amber into a deeper depression because now she feels like her own family is against her. She felt that um, she had no one who supported her anymore, and she actually started showing up to her meetings with her attorneys visibly high. She has nothing. And we're not doing anything about it. Even if she's guilty, are we supposed to say that she can't have access to mental health now? Another good point. March 8th, 2013. Prosecution calls the defense to let them know that they would like to make a deal with Amber. And if Amber would plead no contest to manslaughter, she would get only five years in prison and then credit for time served which at this point would be, what, two, almost two years. With this deal, I mean, she could be out of prison as early as March 2016. That's in three years from then. She'd be 23, and she'd still have plenty of time to raise her son, start a new life. But Amber denied the deal, stating that she wanted to clear her name and go to trial because she was innocent. Amazing. Moving on. Jury selection. Uh, The trial... So the prosecution, which was attorney Michelle Keeley, had filed a motion to suppress and prohibit any evidence of Josh's drug use, manufacturing, or sales of drugs. And the motion was granted. What the shit? So now, basically, we get to not, we cannot bring up anything about his drug use, but we can talk about her drug use. Bullshit. So the court orders to suppress photos of Josh's body or injuries. This would later be overruled and 19 images would be shown to the court. This was done by the prosecution to prove that Josh, quote, landed on his feet, end quote. So then the court motions to suppress any evidence about the dangerous conditions of the window. This was argued and ultimately won by the defense. So the evidence stayed. The court moved to make any domestic violence or protective orders between the two inadmissible in court. But, uh, Doesn't that just piss you off? Like, that's the whole yes, thing. Yes, it fucking does. Like, that's the bro code right there. Yeah. Like, she's fighting because this was self-defense. It obviously exactly. fucked her up. She didn't plan on killing her husband. Yeah. And I'm right there with you. I think that uh, it's something that... Sh- I'm sorry, but like most, most women have that instinct to defend themselves anyway, but then you put a child in the mix 
And it's like not even a second thought. And a six foot four dude. Mm. Yeah. And, and things that she probably let off the hook or let pass or, you know, whatever prior to that. I feel like she probably wasn't taking that shit anymore. And I really do feel like this was 100% self-defense. She was just done with it and was defending herself. And now we can't talk about anything that led up to that, basically. The prosecution argued that since the temporary protective order on Amber that Josh had at the time of his death, even though it had been dismissed by the time of the fall, was in the room. And it was therefore part of the crime scene. So it would be able to be used in court, basically. No! The judge agreed to leave it in. And so now we can't talk about any any protective orders that she has against him or any domestic violence that she had against him. But we can talk about the one that he has against her. <laughs> I'm sure. Literally everything was stacked against Amber. And many witnesses testified that it was Josh who was set to leave Amber and not the other way around. Even though we, you and I, I know you remember us reading the texts about that back and forth. Mm-hmm. Literally, the, those are case files. We didn't make them up. It's not a dramatization. Like those were case file texts that were presented during trial. And it is 100% obvious that Amber was going to leave him. But this painted a picture of a woman scorned and angry at her husband who could leave her at almost eight months pregnant. Basically, motivation to kill. During the trial, Rosales changed his story completely after two written testimonies and one spoken in pretrial, claiming that Amber was in fact the angry one when he was worried for Josh the entire time, and that after she coldly stated, quote, I pushed my husband, I killed him, end quote, he even stated that when he got into the living room, he was reluctant to find Amber because he was, quote, afraid she would push him out the window too, end quote. Remember, he was the one that was working on the other broken window. He said he was afraid to get into the elevator with Amber, that he was, quote, concerned for his safety, end quote. Now, does that not sound like some fucking coached bullshit if you've ever heard it? I just, oh, he's oh. So, Rosales was actually the owner of Budget Windows, one of the three other defendants named in the civil suit with the windows. So, he is actually being sued at this time in the civil suit. Uh, and it could have probably been the reason why he changed his story. Holy shit. Budget Glass had been the company that installed the windows in the apartment building and maintenance had been subpar. (laughs) He was being sued and he could lose a lot of money, which is a good motivation for changing your story. Uh, An inmate named Bonnie Lambden, who had been in county jail with Amber, testified. She said... Quote, she, Amber, told me that she and her husband Josh had gotten into an argument and that she had caught him off guard. He was going to leave her and she caught him off guard and she shoved him. And her words were, she killed the bastard, end quote. Again, uh, this is a jailhouse snitch, basically. And you know, you all know how we feel about jailhouse snitches. <laughs> oh, <laughs> And get this, when asked if there was anything else she wanted to add, she said, quote, yeah, Amber has breast implants, end quote. 
What in the fucking ninth grade? Oh. We are focusing on all the wrong shit here in this entire trial. <gasps> Good God And she almighty. smokes weed. And she has breast implants. She did it. That haven. For sure. On purpose. So the window expert from Chicago, Mark Meshulam, was flown in to testify. Uh, and he testified to what we talked about earlier. And Amber's testimony didn't change from what she had always said, but the prosecution claimed that she was, quote, cold and robotic, end quote. Maybe it had to do with the fact that she'd been planning to tell the whole story, like the drugs, the abuse, the domestic violence, all of that. For literally over a year, she had been planning to say everything, the entire truth. And then she gets there at the beginning of trial and she learns that she can't. Like, what's left? What's left to tell? If you take out all of that, what's left to say? How do you defend yourself? Yeah, that's insane. I mean, can you imagine defending yourself in a murder trial when you're not allowed to tell the truth and you're not, you're not allowed to say basically anything? During Amber's testimony, the prosecutor ordered Amber to come down to the courtroom floor and reenact her husband's death with the detective who worked on the case. What the shit? Okay, 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 okay. Okay. I got subpoenaed to go to court to testify as a witness against him. And I had to reenact what happened. What? Because someone else, yes, because someone else called the police when they saw him doing what he was doing to me. And when the police pulled us over, I had a black eye and a busted lip. So it was one of those, I don't want to press charges because where the fuck am I going to go? And what's he going to do to my dogs and all my stuff? Yeah. You know? So then the judge uh, ordered a protective order because this was like the third time someone had called the cops um, on him doing things to me. Right. And then the DA uh, is the one that pressed charges. And then they put out a bench warrant for his arrest. But I was already gone when that happened. But they, they actually made you act that shit out? They came and found me, subpoenaed me to go to court as a witness when I'm the fucking victim. And his God. attorney is standing there like, He's like, so let me get this straight. You're driving and he's like this and then you're like this. And I was like, yes. And he was like, can you just show us how this works? He was like, because it doesn't make sense. Are you and I was kidding like, me? So I'm standing up. This dude, you know who I'm talking about, oh is six fucking feet away from me, behind me to my left. Yeah. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be around him. I opted out of this for a reason. I got a new house. I got a key. I was gone 48 hours later, you know? I feel... I feel like if they needed to question you for that shit, why couldn't they ask you to come into the judge's chambers or something? Like, why do they have to put you in front of the person and then ask you to reenact that? That's, that's so that's fucking what I, stupid. I basically got escorted the second I got into the courthouse because there was a protective order between the two of us. Like, we we weren't wow. even supposed to be on the same floor. So, yeah. 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 When they're tr When they're trying to get to the fucking bottom of something, they don't care what it does to you. And maybe that was for the shock value. That's, maybe they were trying to get her to, you know what I mean? Because she's on the defense. They don't care. Yeah. You're an animal at that point. You're a fucking murderer. But yeah, I mean, I guess I guess you're right. At that point, uh, she can't defend herself in, in any way. 
there I think that maybe you're onto something with this this shock value thing so um so the prosecutor made sure to question Amber about her clothing she was wearing the day of the fall so Amber was actually wearing a white tank top that day and the prosecutor called it a quote spouse beater yeah these people and their theatrics like I just fucking swear Yeah, we are, I I think we are really, 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 really reaching with most of this shit. This case, since I started the research on it, and God, it's been over a year now since I started the research on this. Every time I drive by that high rise, um, and actually one of my best friends uh, now literally lives right next to it it's like part there her apartment complex is like one in the same um I think they might be owned by the same anyway they're fenced off together but every time I see it I'm just like my heart sinks because I'm like I just can't believe that someone could be that fucking railroaded I know this one is probably one that's going to stick with me for a very long time so the jury actually convicted Amber of murder in the second degree Punishment was set at 25 years in prison and a $10,000 fine. By 4 p.m. that same day, only half an hour after learning that Amber would be convicted, her parents formally entered the wrongful death lawsuit, apparently hoping that Amber had lost her rights as a plaintiff to try to get control of Josh's estate. What the fuck is up with with her parents? You I don't know. The court eventually appointed a neutral party to represent the estate, and the suit was eventually dropped. Um, In 2016, Amber's parents filed a new suit on behalf of Levi. Uh, I believe it was dropped as well. And then August 2014, Amber was denied an appeals court. The court upheld, upheld its initial ruling. It was later discovered by Amber's attorney in a phone call to the jailhouse snitch that before the trial, she had been high on meth, out of her mind, and when Amber allegedly made the allegations to her, she had told the prosecutor this before testifying. So the jailhouse snitch is the one that was high. She was on meth at the time, and she told literally told the prosecutor that she was high before she went on the stand prosecutor the same one that said that amber was wearing a spouse beater told her not to say anything and not to tell anybody and had her i mean in the same breath we just got done saying that we don't believe these fucking snitches anyways do i believe what she said about amber maybe maybe not do i believe that she was on meth maybe maybe not you know what i mean like in my eyes yeah three years after conviction three years if she had taken the deal at this point she would have been being discharged from prison but instead on October 24th 2016 Amber was found dead in her jail cell like what the hell she was hung by the neck her hair flattening iron cord was the cause and it was ruled a suicide she was 25 years old but the day before The day before this, on October 23rd, a letter from Amber is received at a Tulsa news station, News Channel 8. It was literally written the day before she died. And it seemed as if she was very positive 
and looking forward to the future. Um, I believe at this time she had signed up to do a Dr. Phil episode. And so she was, there are questions about whether it was a suicide or not, I guess is what I'm getting at. Um, her, her parents do not believe that it was a suicide. A lot of her friends and family didn't believe that it was a suicide. However, everyone in jail, everyone that they talked to in jail believed that it was a suicide. In these letters that they, that she sent to News Channel 8, it, it seems like she's very positive. Like, the question is, why would she be so positive in looking towards the future if there wasn't going to be a future? You know what I mean? She was left there, I believe, for a really long time. Uh, several, several hours she was left hanging there before they took her down. I guess they had to wait for the coroner or something to come down. I believe also that the coroner's report the Emmy's report stated that she did die that way. It was strangulation. Like it was hung by the neck. But Amber's family says that there was someone, and I don't remember the name of this person. It doesn't really matter, I guess, at this point. But there was a person in prison that she had gotten into an altercation with in the time that she had been there. And they claimed that this person killed her. Like, there's no doubt about it for them. They killed her, and this wasn't a suicide. There was never any evidence to point that she was murdered. Was it suicide? Was it not? Well, like, no parent wants to believe that their child committed suicide on one hand. On another hand, I feel like there would be some sort of, if it was strangulation and not a snapped neck or something like that, you know, like, I feel like there would be some yeah. sort of self-defense, um, like, some, maybe somewhere, a bruise, something on her somewhere that there, you put up a fight. Let me read this to you. This was posted by Amber's family. Uh, onto the In Loving Memory of Amber Hilberling Facebook page. And it claims that there was defensive marks on her. So let me, let me read it real quick. Oklahoma Department of Corrections and Mabel Bassett Correctional Center are responsible for covering up the murder of Amber Hilberling and making it look like a suicide. Amber Hilberling was murdered by an inmate named Patricia Rucker, T. Rucker. So hours before Amber was found hanging in her cell, Rucker, who is doing a life sentence, told Amber to go kill herself. Rucker was housed in a separate block than Amber and was not allowed in her pod. However, the god guards allowed it anyway, for whatever reason. Rucker is in prison for strangling her girlfriend over 20 years ago. Amber was found hanging by the cord of her hair straightener. Her body wasn't removed from her cell for hours. She was left there so long that the prison's internal affairs department could get to the murder scene before the medical examiner did. There were claw marks on Amber's neck where she tried to fight off her attacker and remove the cord. Amber was working with Dr. Phil and had an interview coming up with the local news station KJRH. The prison did not want the world to know an inmate killed another inmate and they let it happen and did nothing about it. Since Amber's case was so high profile, they had to cover up what they had let happen. The warden at the prison and several guards ate McDonald's and laughed about her murder all while Amber's body was still hanging. It doesn't matter if you believe Amber deserved to be in prison or not. Her seven-year-old son deserves to know his mommy didn't choose to leave him. Her life was taken from her and I will spend my life trying to prove it. I 
don't know if there's anything actual factual in here. <laughs> it's literally just a post made from, I believe, her mother, Rhonda. And this is the same mother who thinks that she had rights to her husband's um, estate. Correct. So. so I don't know anything about this Patricia Rucker. I, I don't. I... Didn't her mom do an interview? You and I watched it. Yes. Yes, she did. And we'll just, I, I believe it's on YouTube. Anyone can watch it if they want to watch that. But um... Y'all are really trying to make some money off of this. Like, <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, so I just wanted to make the statement that this is a post that I found. I in no way know if any of it is true or not. It is now hearsay from me to you. Uh, so do with that information what you would like. These posts and everything case file related to Amber, again, you can sign up and become a member on the website. It's um, www.thesirenspodcast.com slash case files. And you can look through that stuff. As of now, it's uh, up in the air. Did she take her own life? Was her life taken from her? We just don't know. But there you have it. That is the case of Amber Hilberling. Um, it will probably be one of those that stays with me for a very long time to come. I just, I, I think about her often. I think about the age when we first started recording this I was eight months pregnant she was seven months pregnant and then all of this like postpartum that wasn't treated and I don't know it's just it this case really gets to me we get real fired up about domestic violence so I kind of I mean you, you got if yeah. if for some reason this is the first episode you're ever hearing you should go back to the beginning and see how we feel about it because boy howdy um, yeah, yeah. But if you're the helpful links and stuff like that, there's there's a million things out there that you could maybe even just go offer counseling or go to counseling yourself and see where you could get in a better headspace to where things don't escalate to this point. You know what I mean? To life or death. Like, there's no reason yeah, you should be yeah. putting up with someone being physically violent to you. And then fighting fire with fire is definitely not the answer. So... Um, if nothing else, send us a message. We both survived it. We'll talk to you. Yeah. And uh, I just want to throw this out there. If you're going through something, um, I have a close friend who is, I have brought her into my home recently, um, to try to get away from some of the, this kind of situation. Uh, and I, I want to throw out just some resources for you. So you can always go to the hotline.org. This is National Domestic Violence Hotline. You can call them at 1-800-799-SAFE, 1-800-799-7233. You can also chat with them live on that website or you can text them. So just text START to 88788. I didn't just lose my husband. Jeannie and Patrick lost their son. Zach lost his brother, his grandma, his poor grandma's gonna have a heart attack when she finds out that her little Josh is gone. All I can see, like, I just held his broken body. <laughs> I just kept looking at, looking at him. I just want to be back in bed, laying with him. That's never gonna happen again. Why did he have to die? I just want to go back in time. The person I couldn't even imagine being separated from is dead. 
out of my head and falling out the window. Just trying to tell myself this isn't real and this is all gonna be over soon. I'm a horrible person who could do that. Who could do that? <laughs> Push my husband and make him fall out the window. Did you, did you intentionally? No, okay. of course not. Okay, that's what they're gonna take it as, baby. I don't understand the whole pattern of events of the last year. Us getting married and going to Alaska. Everything in Alaska, me being pregnant. Coming back here, getting kicked out of mom's house, going to the apartment, and then all for it to just, Josh just fall out of a high-rise building. People are going to be doing their jobs. Patrick and him, you know they are going to come after you with everything they got. So you've got to fight for, for yourself. You've reached the end of our episode. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Join Raven next time on the Sirens Podcast. Do we have an outro? That's our outro, isn't it?